Welcome to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Laconia campus. And what we're going to talk about today is that final message of this series of the bride. That no matter what, through our faith and what Jesus Christ has done, through our trust in what Jesus Christ has accomplished, he is returning. Our king, our triumphant king, returns. Before we go any further, I've got a couple quick things I want to invite you to do, because as our men and women have served, I imagine a church, as I have the joy of coming on board here in June full-time, and that is, you can cheer for that. I'm excited. Thank you, Brendan. <laughs> you can whistle and cheer that on. But being able to be in one place, because if you know my life, and I've got you know, six young boys, just doing whatever it takes to serve the Lord, but also be ready for what God has. I, I know that as we get to talk, serving has always been something that I grew up with doing in the church, even if I was part of the church or I was visiting somebody, but I was always willing to serve as a little kid because my dad was, I called him the prison warden. He, he trained me that way, that we were going to work. And before we played, we worked. And so I think with respect, we called him the warden and we were at the, you know, the chain teams and the tractor chain teams and the it was, an, it was a heart instilled in me to serve and to work. But I imagine a church that says, I'm, I'm willing, whatever it takes. I imagine a church here in Laconia that says, I'm willing. And if God is asking, as difficult as it is sometimes, I'm going to say yes. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm willing and I'm available. We have, uh, I love you, Rosalind and, and Jay. Man, um, we're going to become fast friends. She was so excited this morning. She said this was her first time. She introduced herself. She's our children's ministry director, but she wanted more than anything to invite the church to serve in children's ministries. I said, well, God's good. I'll I'll do it in my my opener. But I'm going to pass this out during the message time. We're going to start it this way and let it go. If you're willing just to help for the summertime, it's two Sundays in July and two Sundays in August just to give our team a little bit of a a break during the summer, but also give you a chance to serve. The reason we say July and August is because it takes some time to do some clearance checks. There's some videos for us to watch about child protection and, and policies that we have. But you can volunteer and serve saying, hey, we, we've got a great church and there are a lot of children here, but we need volunteers so that we can serve on Sunday morning and open up our rooms and keep our rooms open. As we go into the summer, we're going to do some really cool things. The children get to be part of the worship in the morning, and then they get to go back in for their message time. But if you're willing to serve this morning, as that goes around, just keep it moving. All you have to do is, it's not a commitment saying, I'm serving. It's a commitment saying, I'm willing. And we'll meet with you, we'll talk with you, and have a chance for her to follow up. But, uh, and yes, today. And we have a surprise for those of you that do sign up. We'll let you know, but... Once you sign up at the end of the service, we might give out a little gift for those that are volunteering. We're going to draw a name. If you can put that all together during my talk, I'll, I'll give you about 23 minutes. <laughs> give or take. <laughs> well, let me share with you. I'm excited that we are a church, and I do imagine and envision a church that says, I'm willing. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm willing. God, what do you want for me? What are you asking? What are you preparing me for do? What do you want me to do? So I'm going to, what's a Pastor Mike message without a prop? So, are you ready? My son was excited. Can I, can I do it, Dad? 
This is like one of the best inventions in the world, you know. I mean, there's always something loose in my house, or there's something loose on the tractor, and I'm always trying to tighten things up and fix things up. It's just, I think it's part of my personality. I just like things a little bit more. I don't like them falling apart. And so I walk around, and some people call it OCD today. I don't know. But if something's crooked, I have to, I have to adjust it. So I used to have, I was one of those guys, you know, like in high school that had the, the screwdriver in his car. And I often, sometimes, I know it's funny, but I had one in my back pocket going, just in case. And so somewhere in high school, I remember the battery-operated drill that was actually 18 volt, so it wouldn't wear out. It was like, you know, I, they, they used to have these little ones, and it, I got them for my birthdays and things, and after like halfway through, like, it'd be in some kind of, you know, hard, solid wood, and you couldn't... 18 volts, though, you know? Not, not too overly impressive, but for a guy like me, I'm like, I'm just ready. So I keep not one battery charged, but two batteries charged, you know? <laughs> You go to my basement, there's like these battery charge things down there. Now, now in my family, I'm not saying I'm overly prepared, but always thinking, I'm one of those guys that has freezers full of food, not because I have six kids and they just eat it all the time, but we've got the, you know, the first you know, two-month freezer, then you've got this, I know this sounds a little funny to some of you guys, another freezer, and then over here it's my, my wild game freezer over here that I, I get to you know, deck that one out myself. But we've got these freezers full and these canned Food, you know, shelves. We're just ready. Now, I'm not, I'm not a guy that's saying the end is coming and the doom is here, but I'm just prepared to say, hey, what happens? I was told one time that the grocery stores have about three days' worth of food, so when people go after it, that's all you're going to get. So I said, well, I want to have at least three months' food. My kids also, you know, probably could eat the three months of food in three days as well. But I'm ready. I'm prepared. So I, I, I like battery-operated drills. They do still run out on me, but I've got that next battery and that next battery, just in case I'm ready. Today, when we take a look at the scriptures, I'm going to go ahead and encourage you to open up chapter 3 in Revelation. It's the final chapter from this series about the bride. And in my heart, we get these messages a couple weeks in advance. We get to pray over them, the team prepares them. But over the weeks, I've learned that one of my blind spots, do you know what a blind spot is? Is when you prepare something, you set your mind on something, my blind spot is, I don't want to change it. That's what we're doing. And we start going that way. And a blind spot is sometimes where you don't know your weakness. You might know your strengths. You might think you're good, but then you realize, maybe not so good. And what the series we've been looking at is, is where God is saying, hey, you're doing these things well. And then in the scriptures in Revelation from chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, as we look at these, but here's what I want to Focus in on that you're not doing so well. It's really, I'm going to look at your blind spots. Well, for me, as we got this message even a couple weeks ago, I thought, I got it. But even in the last couple days, I realized my blind spot is, no, no, I got this. God, if, if you're tugging on my heart, don't make me change it. Because we've got this message prepared. But even, in, even between yesterday and the day before, I thought, there's something more that God has in these scriptures that I believe God is leading us to this morning. So it's kind of like, our worship leader today going, we're just going to give a little battle cry out. I was like, yeah, I feel like I'm at youth camp. But it's a, it's a spontaneous stop to say, okay, Holy Spirit, if you're leading, I'm willing. And I know you're leading, so I'm responding. And so, you know, I didn't just feel like I was at youth camp. I'm like, yeah, it's Memorial Day. It's, it's a battle cry for our, just to the Lord to say, look, he can knock down the walls of Jericho. But they cried out to him, and that's when he knocked out, and he conquered. 
defeated the enemy. So I loved it this morning. And I was crying earlier about the, the, the girl in the gravesite. So. But I was crying during the battle cry, going, God, could you imagine a church that cries out to you, that knows their weaknesses, is aware of their blind spots, but is willing and ready? God, can you imagine a church that cries out to you and will follow you? This is the letter to the church in Laodicea. God, we'll get the scriptures up there, and if you can turn to chapter 3, starting really in verse 14. We have actually a map before the scriptures, if you're at the map scene. This is where we're at, the scriptures in the churches in Revelation. If you get a chance to look over, you've got Asia, Asia, Mina, etc. You could have a little pointer, it'd be kind of fun. I feel like I'm in class. And if you look at Laodicea, it's, it's tributed in a sense, if you will, where Rome, this great Roman nation, has the Appian Way, this main road of Rome that drives right through Laodicea. And so the main traffic, the market, the people of the day are going to go right through Laodicea. But I want to give you a little background as we read these scriptures. Let's open up the scriptures because Laodicea is an important place, and yet it gets not just a, a blessing or, if you will, an affirmation from God of what they're doing. It's a strong rebuke. A rebuke is a strong course correction. I don't think it's really a last-minute course correction. I don't think it's a redirection. All of a sudden, it's they're doing things that it says in the Scripture that God would rather spit them out, vomit them out than what they're doing. Oh, imagine to get that letter. God, if you were saying that of our church, you'd rather vomit us out? Oh, please, let us be faithful and willing. Let us be ready for what you have. Let's take a look at the passage. These are the words of the Amen. The faithful and true witness. Okay, so this is addressed, the angel of the church in Laodicea. As we read through this passage, I'm going to take our time, and we're just going to take a look at the scriptures, and I'm going to draw to some of the scriptures that I want us to focus in at this morning. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich in white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes, so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and I discipline, so be earnest and repent. We're going to pick up verse 20 in a little bit. <laughs> Excuse me for my allergies here in New Hampshire. What a message. Let me give you some context because he says, I rebuke those I love. Because God so loves us, he gave us his one and only son. Not to just take for granted, not to just go through the motions as we were talking about last week, that he opens up a door as we talked about 
that nobody can shut. That he gives us the authority in Jesus Christ to minister, to live, to know Jesus as a person in a relationship that is intimate and personal. But yet because of his love, he says, I rebuke you. That's a heavy and a heart that even breaks mine to say, can you imagine saying, I'm, because you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. Now what that means, this is often, <laughs> and I, I love all the pastors and men I, I, and women that have taught this. I speak with this respect, but so many times it's taken out of context. Let me share you some context to this that I think will really help you in the passage. Laodicea had terrible water, insipid water supplies, meaning just something that would cause you to vomit. So they would rely on these aqueducts that would come anywhere from six, sometimes ten miles away to bring water in from the hot springs from other places. Colosseum and Hierapolis, these cities that would send in hot water through these long miles and miles of aqueducts. And cold water that would come through miles of aqueducts. Now, I share that with you because in the context... It's important to understand, but they were of purpose. They had function. The cold water, you know, in the, in the pools and things, that it was refreshing and even for bathing. The hot water for washing as well as in the pools for bathing. But what use was the lukewarm water? So when it came through the aqueducts and it was cold, it was refreshing, and they used it, and they, it had purpose. It was, it was needed, and it was understood, and it was applied, and it was of good function, if you will. And then the hot waters, the same thing, came down through these aqueducts and they could use them for many things. But the lukewarm, when the water warmed up, even from travels and in use, it no longer had function or purpose and it was literally washed out, washed water for the fields, for the animals, washed out of the cities. So not only aqueducts coming in, but these aqueducts for the water itself, its own water supply was washed out of the city. And then when the waters warmed up, it was also, if you will, spit out. The city had purpose and function. And it was used for many, many, many things. But when it became no longer useful, that's the context. When it no longer served its purpose, it was spit out. It was vomiting. It's not about being hot, if you will, passionate and excited and, and, you know, like our teenagers that worship, hot for God from their toes to their hands. Or cold, just kind of shriveled up and dry kind of faith where God says, I'd rather have you hot or cold. It's not really the context of Laodicea. It's saying of usefulness and of purpose. Hot or cold, but lukewarm, let it wash out not of purpose, not of usefulness. I share that with you because then comes this rebuke. If we take a look at the passage, then we start to get some context. Do you not realize that you are wretched, pitiful and poor, blind and naked? (coughs) If he says, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth because you say you're rich, You've acquired wealth, and you don't need a thing. What he's really saying is you're, you think you're self-sustainable, and you're, you're relying on the other cities and the other provinces, and you really are a very wealthy Laodicea place. 
because you haven't looked now to God any longer. You've looked to yourself, and you've kind of bought into what the world is providing. You've bought into what the world can do for them. And so they've kind of taken their eyes and their faith, if you will, away from God to say, we've got everything we need. We made it. You know, if all the restaurants come into Laconia and all the fancy clothing food franchises and restaurants and different companies came in and all of a sudden Laconia was a booming town, not just during the summer, but year-round. Oh, man. Got this vision last night going, would they then not turn to God? Would we not as a people look to God? And would we say we've, we've made it? If we reimagined Laconia as a place that financially people bought in and bought buildings and invested, but turned away from God, what good would it be? Because I do think God would say, so you've acquired wealth, but do not need a thing. Do you not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? Oh, my prayer is that we look to God and say, no matter how he has provided, whether in wealth or in poverty, we look to him and go, he's our provider. He is the one who will clothe us. Here's the most awesome part. In verse 18, it says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. And in 1 Peter, there's a passage that talks about that your faith is being refined like gold in the fire. Meaning that through suffering and trials and all kinds of things, God is taking our faith and our relationship and our trust time with him that in the bad times, the difficult times, he is refining us so that we are improved genuine. Really, so that we rely on him and not others. So that we don't become self-sustainable in our own acquired accomplishments and personalities and experiences, but looking to God saying, your faith is being proved genuine. So he says, look, I'd rather you buy from me this gold. What he's saying is, I'd rather you invest, put your trust in me, in something that will last, something that will endure. And it's a gold that's perfect, refined by fire, trial, even suffering. So you can become rich and white, <laughs> white clothes to wear. It means so that you could be, ready for this? Your debts could be taken care of. Not financially, but your debt of sin. It's a passage looking to Jesus Christ saying, so that you would be clothed white as snow. So that you would be forgiven, that your debts would be wiped out, so that you would be forgiven and that you'd be in a relationship where then you are covered over through that perfect sacrifice and death that Jesus Christ made. His work to cover over us and my debt, our debt. It's a great depth and illustration that says, so you have clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. Meaning that the word imputed, which I think they talked about a couple weeks ago, this kind of theological term is, so that the righteousness of Jesus Christ and what he did covers over us and what we've done. We can't earn, we can't work our way to heaven, but because of what Christ did, he robes us in his righteousness so that when God looks at us, we're robed, we're covered over. Our nakedness, our sin, my shame is covered over because then God sees, not like everybody else, the righteousness, the covering 
of Jesus Christ. Because of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are then covered. That's an amazing truth. That is, that is so good. So good. And then salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love and rebuke, I discipline. So be earnest and repent. It's a cleansing to see. It's meaning that when you are in the right relationship with God and no longer living on your own and what you can do, but through him, that he gives you not only a covering, but vision to see, to see the things of God, to see what God is doing. I want to pull this to this term of function today. This is where God kind of made a course correction to me. I don't know if you know what a blind spot really is, but if you turn to your spouse, they're usually one that can tell you. This is your blind spot. Honey, do it with love. Turn to a friend and say, hey, what are my blind spots? Not, not now, Chris. This could turn into something. Okay. <laughs> but you work through and say, hey, what is, what is my blind spot? All that God is doing here is because I love you, I'm trying to help you see your blind spots. And he's telling Laodicea, like he's told the other churches, hey, these things you're doing, I know your deeds, but are you aware that in everything that you've accumulated, you're no longer looking to him? I'm the one that's going to cover you. I'm the one that's going to provide for you. I'm the one that's going to give you eyes to see. So, you know, my blind spot really is, once I make up my mind, I don't want to change it. Okay, somebody out there probably could relate to me. But when I'm doing something, I'm also very long-term, and I, want to, I look out three, five, sometimes ten years. That's Actually, you think that's well-planning. That's just stubbornness. I'm just stubborn that when I start to do something, I want to stay that way. One of the reasons I lasted so long in student ministries, 20 years, full-time working with teenagers, when the average is two years, I just didn't want to be a statistic. And I made up my mind that I'm going to do this forever. And I'm going to raise up people to do it with me. However, the blind spot is, what if God is doing something else? What if God is giving you a course correction? Are you willing? Are you ready to? It doesn't make sense, God, but I was over here. Why do you want me over here? My family and my friends are over here and my work is over here. It doesn't make sense, God. And I've often learned over the years, my blind spot is, okay, I'm leaning on my own understanding and I'm not trusting God. I'm trying to do it by how I function and how I function best, but I'm not looking to God. I think if you can start to identify your blind spot as saying, well, who do I really rely on? If God asked me to get up and move, I mean, we wouldn't even move our seats in church. Some of us. <laughs> I'm, I will sit there probably for the next eight years unless you tell me, hey, come hang out here in the other half of the church. I, I just a creature of habit. I believe the church of Laodicea not only became stuck in their ways, they looked to the world and bought in what we would call the store of the world. They were buying from what the world had instead of looking to what God had. And I think that's tough as a Christian to identify, but we often look to what others have and what the world can do and what we can do even in the world versus what God has for us. And so, you know, this message is really from my heart of confession going, it doesn't make sense. You want me to, to move my seat? You want me to relocate my home? What he's saying is, I want you to look at me and follow me where I go. I want you to go. Are you ready? Are you going to dig in? Because it says this, so be earnest and repent. 
Here I am. Verse 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens it, opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's a, it's a familiar passage for some of us that says, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens it. Victorious means whoever puts their faith and trust in the Savior is with them. Open the door. Last week was that God has given us these doors, opened doors that no one can shut. And I truly know that that is also the, the message of salvation, that when God opens the door to somebody, receive it. Let me go back to my drill illustration <laughs> because I really want to make sure this is clear to you today. I want to bring it all together. If you're ready, <coughs> you can work a long time. This is one of my favorite illustrations. You're ready. I've got, I'm going to take care of things. But you realize all of a sudden you're going to run out of battery sooner or later. And yet God stands at the door and it says, open the door and I will come in. I'll, I'll eat with you. I'll sup with you, was, was the old King James. I'll be with you. There's this relationship where I'm with you versus you doing it on your own, living on your own. It's God entering into your life and you opening up your life to him. But too many of us, whether as Christians or we're not sure out there where we stand, think we're ready and are operating on batteries. I shared with some teenagers this a couple months ago, and eventually we run out because we're really not plugged into the life giver. What are we plugged into? Maybe a great worship moment, maybe uh, a great message. Maybe it's even the Word of God that we're, we're into, and when we're reading, we're feeling like we're really connected to God. But we wear down, we wear down, we wear down. Unfortunately, in the Christian life, as you put your faith in Jesus Christ, we're supposed to put our trust in Him and be ready, not only for His return, but for the ministry that God has for us. But we constantly wear out. I could do this probably for a couple more minutes, and even after a couple minutes... This battery's going to run down. I could start working it, working it, working it, and eventually, you even can hear it. It starts to run down. It starts to run down. That, that is the Christian life. But it doesn't have to be. It means we could actually plug in to the life giver, the Holy Spirit. Today is actually Pentecost Sunday. So when I was preparing the message, I thought, do we even know what that word is anymore? But in Acts chapter 2, if we took Revelation and said, hey, how are we going to get ready for the bride and be the bride that's really ready? I mean, when we do our pre-marriage counseling and different things, they're ready to get married and the date is only so many you know, weeks away, and then it's days away, and then they're counting their hours. They're ready to be married. Is the church anticipating the return of Christ and be ready for this? Or are we just, it's another Sunday. And a lot of times, I, my experience is as Christians, we just wear down, we wear down, and we look to kind of get charged back up again, and then we wear down, and we wear down. And I realize, even if you call yourself a Christian this morning, we have not relied on the Holy Spirit to be the life giver, the source of life, and we're not plugged in. We're just simply battery-operated Christians. And I think Laodicea, I'm sure, looked to in faith God and Jesus Christ, but all of a sudden got distracted and started doing well. 
And so instead of being plugged into the real source giver, they were getting their aqueducts and their water from other places. They were getting their, if you will, market and merchandise supplied from other places and relying on other places other than God. So here's the cool part. I'm hoping, Greg, I'm not going to blow anything here. (laughs) If you actually plug into a power source, what ever happened to Tim the Tool Man, huh? Now, you not only got something that's going to last, you got something that probably could do some damage, I'm sure, but... I mean, that's the Christian life I want to live. (laughs) And it's not going to, what, run out of batteries? It's plugged in to an electrical current that, you know, as long as I don't, you know, I'm not sure what would happen if you put all the instruments on and I did this. But, I mean, this is something that you could do and go all day. I mean, if you work with electrical companies and things, they're always going through the raptures. I mean, we're talking beams, sometimes two and four and even, even doubled up and stuff that you're going through some... This thing's not going to make it. You're going to have to be plugged in if you want to build a house and wire a house the right way. That's a lot of times what something like that might be used for. But all day, you go on that until your muscles wear out, right? But that's, for the most part, not going to wear out. But the analogy is, what if we look to God today? And I'm going to ask the band actually to come up here and get ready. What if we actually said, I want and I need the Holy Spirit every day. As a Christian, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. Maybe last week you made a decision to accept Jesus Christ. But what if I came forward and said, I need to be plugged in. I can't live life as a Christian, I admit, like this. Just on my own batteries. What if, like Laodicea, God says, I rebuke those I love because you need to look to me. I will cover you. I will provide for you. But we're not plugged in, which means a life daily looking to the Holy Spirit as the source and the life giver. I do believe that too many of us know that Jesus Christ died on the cross, know what God did, but today's message really was for me was as a Christian, we need to receive the Holy Spirit to say, I can't live life on my own and my own batteries. And so I want to be ready for whatever God has. And if it means being ready for whatever God has, I need to come forward and will you just pray that not only I receive the Holy Spirit as a believer, but the renewing strength, plug me in. And what I really mean is you can come forward for prayer and ask, but I'm going to ask you to come forward just to say, I want to receive the Holy Spirit like on Pentecost Sunday when the Holy Spirit came. It was the presence of God on each believer, each individual that heard, and it was the presence of God that said, and now you can live life. And now you can go in my name and live relying on me, plugged in. You know, if I was going to change my... uh, my youth group and teenagers kind of name. It's called Impact. We want to make a difference, make an impact. I'd say it's called Plugged In. Meaning you got to plug into God to live as a follower. We can put our faith in Jesus Christ, but then we live our lives like battery operated, charged up and down. Every day it's saying, I'm going to make sure I'm staying plugged into God and I need his Holy Spirit to renew me each morning. And so I'm just going to ask you to come forward during the song this morning. Mark did this a couple weeks ago, just for me to pray. And I'm going to ask uh, life group leaders to come forward. We're going to pray over you, but then you're going to also pray for people that come forward to receive the life-giving, life-giving and sustaining strength of the Holy Spirit that every day 
you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's really a baptism of the Holy Spirit that just simply says, I want to receive the presence of God in my life and rely on Him. Not looking to the world anymore, but looking to Him to live. Looking to Him because He died so we can live. He's given us His Spirit so that we can live daily. And then, through that, I deeply believe you have function that is useful and purposeful because you're relying on the Holy Spirit to maybe make a course direction like it has in my life, but to say, I'm just going to stay plugged in. And when I get tired, he's still going to breathe life into me each day, and you will still get tired. But now you're plugged in versus trying to find another battery to replace your battery. And the Holy Spirit will breathe life into you as you ask and desire to receive him. So we're going to pray, and we're going to have the... You're going to do the wedding song, which is being ready for what he did. And if the Lord leads you, come forward and let us pray over you to receive the life-giving Holy Spirit so that you can function in him and for God and for his church. Let's pray. (coughs) So, Father, we pray as you continue to stir our hearts, as you love us, and it's because of your love for us, you do rebuke us. You make known to us our blind spots. Help us not to be so stubborn to not move, to move for you. Help us be prepared and ready to live for you and what you have, just to be willing. We're not sure what it is that you will ask, but we're willing to cry out to you. A battle cry. A shout that says, tear down these walls in my life, in my family, just as you tore down the walls of Jericho. And Lord, instead of wanting to spit us out because we are no longer useful, we ask, Lord, to be hot or cold, to function for you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, your life-giving love and mercy through your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com.